welcome to Home Space and Reason, a podcast about creating a home that thrives. Hi there, I'm Christina Browning, your host. If you feel like your household frustrations are stealing away your life hour by hour, I discuss home functionality, aesthetics, and automation. With a bit of history and a dash of psychology, this isn't your typical house podcast. I'm a realtor in Portland, Oregon, and a home functionality coach nationwide. I geek out on various subjects regarding your home and yard, challenging you to think of your space differently to get the most out of every square foot. I pose questions for you to think through about your space and your reason. This podcast is all positive, making adulting easier one podcast at a time. Remember, there's no such thing as perfect, but you can still aim for your best every day. In this episode, let's discuss home aesthetics and automation, choosing and bringing home the Christmas tree. I don't know about you, but I used to be caught in the traditional decorations versus pretty designerish tree quagmire. I once had a condo as a single gal and I got a metallic green, intentionally not real looking, Dr. Seuss looking skinny tree from my place that was decorated in brightly Dr. Seuss-ish colors. I was single and I could do what I wanted. Fast forward a husband and a child later and we started accumulating homemade and keepsake type ornaments. Each year we get a metal ornament with our family portrait on it. So in 18 years we'll literally have a tree called Memory Lane. But these handmade and photo ornaments don't necessarily go with the aesthetic vision I have each year. We have our ornaments stored in bins by color, so each year we can change up the look or mix two colors or whatever we choose without hauling all the bins, only those we want because they're labeled. My answer to this conundrum of looks versus homemade ornaments was to have both. So my tiny 12 inch wide by five foot tall Grinch tree goes upstairs with all the kid ornaments, my childhood ornaments, our photo ornaments, and the wool animal ornaments that my son loves. Downstairs, it's the more aesthetically pleasing and real freshly cut Christmas tree. We get the best of both worlds and we manage to do it without a lot of space. Size and proportion is tricky to judge if you're going to cut down your own tree because large trees look small when sitting out in a field. Take your measuring tape and measure the height of your ceiling and then subtract the height of your star for the top and then subtract the height of your tree stand and then allow for at least two inches of breathing room in between the top of the star and the ceiling. Next, measure your maximum width, allowing for ample space to walk around and take these measurements with you to the field when buying or cutting the tree. Better Homes and Gardens has a great article titled How to Choose the Best Live Christmas Tree, which I'll link to in the podcast notes. 
The Douglas fir is a long-lasting cut tree that holds its needles well with a pyramid shape and a bluish-green color. It's one of the most popular types of Christmas trees available in most regions. They're lush and full with compact branches and a strong evergreen scent. For heavy ornaments, they recommend a Fraser fir. It's also very fragrant with bicolor needles, deep green on top and silvery white below. This tree is more cone-shaped, so it would fit well in a smaller room or tucked in a tight corner. If you have a collection of heavy ornaments or lots of lights and garland, the Fraser is a good choice with its sturdy branches. If you're all about the scent, choose a grand fur with shiny bicolor needles, bright green on top, white striped underneath. The grand fur has needles that are softer to the touch than some other popular furs, which gives the tree a fine textured appearance. This species is possibly the most fragrant among all the furs, boasting a strong, spicy scent. The noble fir has well-spaced branches covered with upwardly curved blue-green needles and aren't as prickly as some of the others, though its stiff branches can support plenty of ornaments and lights. Noble firs have a similar pyramid shape to Douglas firs, but Better Homes and Gardens thinks they have an even more classic Christmas tree appearance, with an almost layered look to the branches. If neat and tidy is your thing, a scotch pine might be the one for you, with a conical shape, piney scent, and excellent needle retention. The soft green needles stay on the branches even if the tree gets dry, so you won't be left with a lot of cleanup if you forget to water it for a day or two. They often have slightly crooked trunks, which can be a plus if you like a tree with a little personality. A fresh green color and tiered branching structure make eastern white pine a contender. Its long, thin needles result in a more texturized Christmas tree, and it's also a popular choice for wreaths. The writers especially love a white pine for a minimalist Christmas tree look. Their flexible branches aren't the best for supporting heavy ornaments, but you can still deck them out with garland and lights. Native to the eastern half of North America, eastern red cedar makes a lovely cut tree with plenty of homespun appeal and pungent fragrance. It has a very distinctive appearance compared with the more traditional Christmas tree look because of its texturized needles held in feathery looking bunches. They can dry out quickly though, so make sure you're giving this one plenty of water. Thanks to Better Homes and Gardens for helping us geek out on all these details. I'll link both the articles in the notes so you can visit their website for more information and the full articles. I have gift certificates available for a home functionality coaching session so you can ask your partner for a session with me as a gift. Sometimes we aren't quick to spend money on ourselves, but now you can ask for coaching to create a home that thrives. Head over to my website, spaceandreason.com, and click on the Imagine link.
I'm working with a family right now on curb appeal updates and colors for their home. And then separately, I'm working with a private school on optimizing functionality and choosing the right color recipe to create a warm, comfortable learning environment. Let's talk about when the best time to cut your own Christmas tree might be. I'm going to refer to an article by Farmer's Almanac, a trusted source for a zillion years. These fine folks know all the good details about this sort of stuff. The tradition of cutting a fresh tree from a farm is part of the whole holiday experience for so many families. So are there some days better than others to head out and harvest your own tree? According to Farmer's Almanac, Best Days Calendar, and Proprietary Formulas, there actually are best days to cut fresh Christmas trees. The formula is based on the age-old theory that the moon has influence over the moisture and water. Like the tides of the ocean, the moon is said to affect all living things containing water, so it would stand to reason that would also influence the rise and fall of the sap in the wood. Since trees also have a circulatory system of sorts, they also experience tides. During the time when the moon is waning, from the full moon through the last quarter, it's considered to be the best time to perform tasks like cutting trees. Conversely, when the moon is growing in illumination toward the full, the focus is on energy pulling upward. Those in the timber industry have long relied on the theory that the best time to cut wood is when the sap is lower. I'll put a link to this article in the show notes so that no matter what year you're listening, you can click and find the best days for that year. Next, let's discuss Christmas tree stands because I splurged on one many years ago and I can attest it was worth every dollar. Plus, the reviews I read were dead on. I bought the Crinner Tree Genie XXL Christmas tree stand with over 3,500 positive ratings and gazillions of happy customers. It's by far the easiest tree stand we've ever had. It's made in Germany. You simply set the tree in and pump the foot pedal to tighten it up. Look, here's how this goes. One person is manhandling the tree and someone else has to stand back to say which direction it needs to lean in order to look straight. You know the drill. So unless you have three people in the house, who's going to tighten the screws to get this thing to stand up? Because you've got a person holding it, a person saying left, right, up and down, and another person tightening it. So... That's why I recommend this Crinner Tree Genie. It's a 20 inch, 52 centimeter diameter that weighs 18 pounds, which secures a tree up to 12 feet tall and trunks seven inches in diameter or less. It retains two and a half gallons of water with an automatic water level indicator, which is one of my favorite parts because you don't have to crawl under the tree to stick your hand in just to see where the water level is. There is a visual indicator on this, so you don't have to go through that song and dance. Yay for one less thing to think about throughout your holiday season. Simply look up Krinner, K-R-I-N-N-E-R, Tree Genie online and buy it as locally as you can. Bob Vila has an article I wanted to share called How to Make a Tree Last Longer. 
He says, first off, pick the right tree. Before leaving the lot, give your choice a good shake and watch the type of needles that fall. Only a few needles should come off the tree if it's fresh. While the loss of some brown needles is normal, fallen green needles are usually an indication the tree has gotten dry. Just before setting up the tree, it's important to trim a little off the bottom. Make a fresh straight cut, removing an inch or an inch and a half of wood from the base of the trunk. Without the cut, the tree will dry out from not being able to absorb the water properly. Once you're home, get the tree in water as soon as possible. And if you're not ready to decorate just yet, place it in a full bucket of water. For the first 24 hours, a tree can absorb as much as a gallon of water or more. So refill it as needed. He goes on to say that a good tree stand is important because the goal is to find a tree stand that fits the tree properly, and it can also hold at least a gallon of water. I shared with you earlier the one that I love so much, and that checks all these boxes. He then recommends to make sure you place the tree in a cooler area of the house away from heat sources like heaters and preferably away from the sun or just keep the blinds drawn. As long as your tree stays moist, it should last several weeks and hopefully even until New Year's. He recommends using low heat decorative lighting to help slow the drying of the tree. LED holiday lights are inexpensive and will decrease the risk of fire because they stay cool. Of course, always inspect lights prior to placing them on the tree. Thanks, Bob Vila. You're always a great resource. I'll put the link in the podcast notes so you can reference it for yourself. Pair your Christmas tree lights with your Amazon Echo by using a smart plug like Wemo or Casa. Wemo is W-E-M-O and CASA is K-A-S-A. Miras, spelled M-E-R-O-S-S, I might be pronouncing it incorrectly, has a highly rated outdoor smart plug compatible with Apple HomeKit, Siri, Amazon Smart Home System, and SmartThings. It has a waterproof Wi-Fi outdoor outlet with a remote and voice control too, so you have this option for outdoor lighting as well. I love seeing Christmas decor in trees that are decorated in non-traditional colors. Colors don't always have to be so literal. When I was younger, we went to some friends of ours home once a year at Christmas time. I had playdates with this girl several times a year, but our families only got together once a year. Her name was Nikki, and her dad was an auctioneer. What this meant was that her home was one of my most favorite places on earth. It was filled with non-traditional things I'd never seen inside a house before, like a horse from a carousel, a real video game from an arcade, and the kitchen was fully decked out in vintage Coca-Cola-themed things. Kids remember the magic when things are a little different, so it's okay to venture out beyond the commercial red and green. My mother's best friend from high school lived a good ways away, and they too were a home we visited just a couple times per year, and Christmas was one of those times. Her tree was all blue every single year, and I remember thinking it was the most beautiful tree that I had ever seen. 
Ours was filled with memorable ornaments, homemade items, and others that my mom had from when she was younger. This meant that ours didn't have a color scheme per se, and we always hung tinsel on it. But this tree was designed and intended to be cohesive, and it made a very big impression on me. This is why I love the idea of having two trees, one that can be the focal point of your main area and another that is more accessible and smaller in scale in some way so that you can appreciate the historical ornaments in a less overwhelming way. Here are eight ideas to change things up a little bit this year. Idea for decorating number one, all white evoking snow-covered trees, it can be absolutely stunning and so simplistic. Idea two, leave out the green and opt for a simple red and white combination. As the mom of a kid who loves baseball, this is an adorable theme if you have baseballs already. The creamy white of the used balls and the red stitches can blend right in with candy canes and red lights. Since you can't get out to the ball game this time of year anyway, I love the idea of incorporating your family's passion into a tree. There is a shop in Oregon City called Christmas at the Zoo, and it's a year-round ornament shop with decorations for every passion. You can find them online at christmasatthezoo.com. I've seen everything from school buses to butterflies there. They have a whole tree just with food, hamburgers, all kinds of vegetables, broccoli. I mean, can you imagine a tree that's a whole garden theme? How fun is that? Idea three, alternately you could leave out the red and opt for white and green. I love this when there are like four shades of green involved, so it has depth and interest to it. Idea number four, I've also seen people combine white and brown by using white decorations, ornaments, and lights with natural things like wood and pine cones. Using other natural items like burlap and twine make this very tactile theme come to life. Can you imagine adding a few mushroom ornaments to a tree done in all natural colors? Ah, so cool. Idea five is one of my old time favorites. I love bright candy colored decorations on a tree that evoke the magic of Dr. Seuss and the Grinch. Turquoise, lime green, salmon, orange, and pink. That's about as non-traditional as it gets, but it's also so cheery. Idea number six, how about decorations based off black and white buffalo check? Pinterest is brimming with visuals for this. I've also seen stunning black and white combinations with gold added. Idea seven is to go to Pinterest and look up ombre Christmas trees and you'll see a very few successful versions from rainbow to jewel tones. If you wanna go next level and you already have several colors in your collection, this is an interesting idea. 
Lastly, number eight, let's talk metallics. All silver, all gold, or a combination of mixed metals. I have a sister-in-law who loves rose gold, and I have a soft spot in my heart for this one. What about rose gold and turquoise together? Holy buckets, I could do a whole episode just geeking out on tree decoration ideas. But to spare you the time, I'll stop here if you'll promise to share your tree designs with me. Post your tree and tag me on social media or post it on the group page. I love when everyone chimes in. It's like a big virtual group hug. What about a soundtrack for decorating your tree? Pandora has a bunch of stations like relaxing Christmas music, new holiday radio, family Christmas, and country Christmas radio. They even have Christmas crooners, which is a compilation of 60 songs. Yep, they even have hipster holiday radio and southern gospel Christmas. My favorite is called Christmas Voices, which features Tony Bennett's version of Silver Bells. And now for questions to ask yourself about your home space and your reason. Question number one. Do I want more than one tree in my house this year? If I have special ornaments that tend to blend in on a larger tree, might I either have a tabletop tree or a thin yet tall tree elsewhere where they could be more admired. This is totally a space and reason question. Question number two, what do I remember from our tree last year? Did we have enough room to get around it? Could we fit gifts under it or were the branches too low to the ground? Do we have a train that needs to fit under it too? All of these questions lead up to what might we do better or differently from last year so we don't repeat the same mistake. Question number three, what are we wearing to get the tree? I only pose this question because this can be a two-for-one outing. You're getting your tree, but it's a prime photo opportunity. And don't just think about the group shot with the tree in the field. Add in a close-up shot of your partner's gloved hand holding the saw, and maybe a photo of everyone's muddy boots. When paired with the photo of all the people and the tree together, they tell more of a story. This could be a Christmas card photo op, or it could be something you frame and pull out with your Christmas decorations every year just for this season. As the days get darker and colder in much of the northern hemisphere, it's easier than usual to feel down and gloomy. Foul weather keeps us indoors more as cold and flu season arrives. If you haven't listened to episode 10 yet, It's all about a positive winter in your home. 
since it's the time of year when we find ourselves indoors more, the knobs, pulls, and handles on your cabinetry and doors in your home are one of the only things you touch every single day. And if you've been thinking about updating them, this is a great time of year to deep dive into that subject. Let's discuss the aesthetics you want and the function you need, as well as options available by listening to episode 24, all about the knobs pulls and handles in your home. If you have a smart home system, you can say play the home space and reason podcast by Apple and easily listen while you fold laundry, dust or sit in the tub. If you've got an internet connection, I can do a home functionality consult with you no matter where you live. But if you happen to live in the greater Portland metro area, I can help you search for your next home with home functionality at the forefront of the buying process. If you're needing to sell, let's get your home set up to look and function its best so that you get top dollar for your investment. I'm a realtor in the state of Oregon, so not only can I address the inevitable concerns and questions that will arise when you're thinking of buying or selling, but I can add value to the transaction by discussing home functionality, your lifestyle, and solving the puzzle of odd spaces. If you're enjoying geeking out with me on home functionality and you'd like more, Sign up for my email newsletter, Little Bits of Home Functionality. It comes just once a week and is intentionally short. You'll see one video with a tip or a trick. And as always, I pose questions for you to think through about your space and your reasons. Find the link in the show notes to subscribe. Hey, if you haven't yet, would you take a second and write a review for me? It lets others know that this is a podcast worth listening to. Thanks for sitting in on this conversation about creating a home that thrives. Good luck with your tree. I can't wait to see your posts and I'll meet you back here for the next episode. Mm-hmm.